Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. A brand may be nothing but a promise delivered, but have you ever thought about the promises behind the brand? Well, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to get into a purpose-driven brand. Today's guest helps some of the biggest brands create a we-first mentality. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be we-first rather than me-first like it used to be. Simon Mainwaring is the founder and CEO of We-First, a creative agency helping purpose-driven brands. He's also a podcaster right here on C-Suite Radio, a best-selling author and public speaker. Simon, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you, Jeffrey. So good to be with you. It is good. What is what is We First? Let's get into that. We First. We First not only is in my company, but the company is an expression of an idea, which is it's the tonic or antidote to the Me First mentality that we saw driving business for so long. And in particular, that re- led to a lot of you know the economic meltdown in 2008. And so yeah. I responded to that. I started a company. And the opposite is really We First, which is to elevate collective interests, to see how we can go about doing business in a way that takes care of everybody so that everyone can, su- uh, can succeed and thrive. And you started doing that in 2008. I remember when you started coming out because that was the same time I came out of Kodak and started doing my own stuff. And we were on many of the stages together all over the world. It was awesome. It was great fun. And I mean, I got to say, I came out of working as a writer on Nike and and running Motorola as a worldwide creative director at Ogilvy. And I came away thinking business is such a powerful force in the world. Yet up till that point, they've kind of been off the hook. You know, they weren't really being held accountable for what they were doing or how they were behaving and the knock-on effect down the road. Here we are in 2020 of all years, quite the year, shall we say, but we see the impact of business, both in terms of the harm it can do and also the good it can do, especially during COVID. So what started as we first in 2010, 2011, it's just got more important today. You know, I don't believe this, but I'm going to say it because I think it's good for us to create a little controversy here. I think it's good for us to create a little tension. Is that really a business responsibility? I mean, a business responsibility is to the shareholders if it's a publicly traded company. But, you know, besides the bottom line, do they really have a responsibility to the community? Well, this isn't just my opinion, whether it's Larry Fink, who's the CEO of the largest hedge fund in the world, or whether it's 181 CEOs of the business roundtable that came out and said the purpose of a, converse, of a corporation is no longer, you know, just shareholder fiduciary duty, but stakeholder. And really what we're all pointing to is this idea that business doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, now the consequences of business, which to a large degree include impact on climate and the environment and so on, it's coming back to haunt business because it's affecting their supply chain. It's affecting their ability to hire the talent they want. They're affecting their ability to sell to consumers who, who look at brands now and go, are you part of the problem? Or are you part of the solution? And as you say, people aren't just spending their dollar, they're voting with their dollar as to who they want to succeed, succeed, and who they want, you know, they really were happy to walk away from. Yeah, it's like right now, I'm really big into the, you know, I don't want any GMO. I don't want anything that's been not sustainable in terms of farming. I want stuff that's healthy, good for you, that had a, you know, I at least want the animal to even have a, even though I'm going to eat it, I want it to at least have had a good life up until that point, right? And, you know, it's not like this whole shift towards responsible business comes at a cost. In fact, when you look at 
what motivates employees and consumers today, they want to work for or buy from companies doing good. So if you actually want to get clear-eyed and look at the world and actually leverage those market drivers that are really propelling growth today, you'd be a fool to ignore this. So it's actually a really powerful moment where business can be very focused on profit as it needs to be, but also as a function of those market drivers, focus on having a positive impact out there, whatever in the most relevant way to their business. And so purpose and profit are not, it's not a choice. That's a false separation. It's actually the two sides of the same coin now. Well, you can have them both. I mean, this is one of where you could have your cake and eat it too. And I, that's what I think is pretty positive. You can do the right things for the right reasons because it's right to do. It is right to do. And you hear a lot of CEOs, which whether it's the CEO of Dick's Sporting Goods around gun control and destroying $5 million of automatic weapons saying it was just the right thing to do. You can be just positive and humble about it, or you can be very proactive or protagonist like Patagonia around public lands or Ben and Jerry around white suprematism really recently. So, you know, within that sliding scale of uh, playing a positive role, you still get to choose how you want to show up in the world. I got a kick out of Patagonia. I saw one of their labels on their right. clothes the other day that you flipped it over. For those who haven't seen it, you got to go check your life. If you have any Patagonia, which I hope yeah. you do, it's great, great company, great product, purpose-driven company, without question. Uh, certainly a hero company in terms of their values. And you flipped over the little tag on the back that says, both the assholes out. I right thought that was pretty cool. And it's sold out in a minute. I And, you know, over social media and, uh, and, you know, with friends, I've heard so many people just in a nutshell, respond to that and say, they couldn't be any cooler. Like actually doing something like that makes them cool. Or, you know, if you look at, um, you know, companies that say, don't buy this jacket on Black Friday, like Patagonia did in the past, or, you know. Yeah, you should, yeah, you should be out enjoying the Friday. Right. That's you what should, they said. Yeah, get out. We closed right? down on Friday so our employees can actually go out and do stuff. I thought and that was great. And REI, similarly, with their sort of, you know, opt outside initiative on Black oh, that was it. It was, it was actually REI. It was REI. Yeah. Right. Go outside, take a photo, post it on our, you know, post it with the hashtag. It'll auto-populate on REI's website. And they got billions of impressions and earn media by telling people not to go by, but to go outside and reconnect, which is something which is core to their brand, the environment. So it's a win-win for everyone. It yeah, really it's a smart. good use of OPM, other people's money. All right, speaking of money, I need to take a quick break. I'll come right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back, and we're live casting right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as I have Simon Mainwaring with me. We're talking about We First. We're talking about purpose-driven brands. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I said, I always say a brand is a promise delivered. Is that the same for purpose-driven brands? You know, a brand promise and a purpose are often confused, but, you know, they're interchangeable in as much as it's what is the role that you're going to play in the world? How is the world going to be better off because we're in it? You know, what is your promise in terms of the legacy you're going to leave? And I think, you know, as business more broadly is now on the hook for the impact it's had in the world, collectively, but also individually, employees and consumers are saying, so remind me exactly why you do exist. And 
you know, in, in, when you frame it the right way, if you articulate what your role is in the world, the higher order purpose, why you exist, then the company and your products and its services and what you do are all social proof of that promise or purpose. As opposed to the other way around where people have been going to market, just talking about their product and price all day long and damn the consequences. And now all those chickens have come home to roost and we're in a lot of trouble as we see how, so, you know, as we see it every day in the news. Yeah, we and and we've got to change that all the way around. So, how does a brand become a movement? You know, or, and and what are some good examples of that? You know, to become a movement, you've really got to define the purpose of the company. And you know, we we do that at We First for small companies, for large organizations. And there's a variety of questions you ask because, in a sense, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. And so, it's hard for a company to see itself from how it wants to be perceived outside of itself. So, you define that purpose. Questions like, what are you the only of? What is your enemy? When you're at your best, what are you doing? And that purpose isn't some static noun that you paint on your wall or put in an annual report. It's a slingshot that you pull back and release to drive a movement. And that movement is driven by the cultural conversation that your brand is uniquely qualified to lead. What do I mean? Airbnb, all of their marketing in and around accommodation and houses and apartments all around the world is leading a conversation around universal belonging. That's why they gave free accommodation to Syrian refugees or to victims of the bushfires in Australia last year. Patagonia, every single marketing effort they do, including vote, vote the assholes out, is all about the responsible economy, which is how do you make stuff and sell stuff in balance with what the earth can provide. And so a brand leads a movement when it defines its purpose, puts that purpose to work in service of a, of a movement driven by this cultural conversation. And the reason it drives growth is this. Everybody from your suppliers to employees to customers to consumers to partners, all believe and project into that higher order vision, that reality, that future you want to create. And therefore they pay attention to your brand, which is hard enough, but then they talk about your brand, they buy your product, they recommend it to others. And so it's not just your marketing department driving your growth, it's everyone in your brand community. And that's when you become a movement. You mentioned that uh, when people are trying to figure out their purpose, you say, what enemy do you have rather than who, who's the enemy? Yeah. Well, What's the difference there? It, it's hard to sometimes define what you stand for, because if you're in a parody category, you make widgets and there's a thousand widgets out there or sneakers or whatever it might be. And one of the most powerful ways that you can start is to actually look, well, if I don't know what I'm for, let's work out what I'm against. What mm -hmm. is that thing? that pisses you off enough to get you out of bed in the morning? What is that thing you talk about too much at dinner parties after two glasses of wine? What is that thing you bore your significant other to tears with, you know, with your head on the pillow at night? That thing that fuels you. So I'll give you an example. Uber's enemy, well, it might be said that Uber's enemy is sometimes its own leadership, but Uber's enemy... <laughs> Uber's enemy is that really horrible taxi experience with the springy seats and the kind of funny old, right. you know, New York that we all know. And the seat, and the seat pushed back so far you can't even get in. I can't, I can't even get, get my big feet out of a cab in New York. Right. And, the, and the plastic with a thousand cigarette butts burned into the back of it. You know, Airbnb's enemy is that homogenous hotel experience where you might as well be back at home rather than find yourself immersed in an authentic culture somewhere in the world. Tesla's enemy is unsustainable transportation. And so, you know, when you work out what you're against, suddenly it's one of those questions you can ask that makes it clearer as to what you're for and what role you want to play in the world. Uh, well, I've always said that you need an enemy. 
I think it's not always what you for. I think you need to be fighting against something because I think it helps to drive you even more so. It does. I mean, you know, quite honestly, as an Australian, and I've been in the States here for 22 years and I'm a US citizen, you know, there's a part of me still, which always was that whole G'day mate thing. I always thought everyone's equal. We're all good. Like this whole pecking order never sat comfortably with me because that's kind of almost un-Australian. So when I saw the fallout in 2007, 2008, all around the world, from Wall Street to Main Street to Iceland to Greece, the Gulf states and around the world, just at a baseline level as a human being, I went, that's not right. Why do a few people who are kind of like engorging themselves on, you know, the upside of capitalism, why does that have to come at the cost of everybody else? And so my enemy really was, after a lot of thinking about it, because I didn't really care about these things up to that point, was kind of pisses me off this whole me first mentality where it's like winner takes all. And so I spent some time thinking about what I, you know, imagined the alternate, you know, the alternate to that might be. And I landed on we first. And it really is this idea of, it turns on this idea. Our well-being, whether it's the natural world or capitalism at large, turns on the health and integrity of the whole ecosystem. Like if we don't have any infrastructure in society, if there's no middle class, all the business falls apart. And we've lost sight of that so much so both on an environmental level and on the level of business, that business isn't working the way it should anymore. There's so many disenfranchised. There's such a disparity of wealth. The, you know, the environment is falling apart, climate crisis, biodiversity, and so on and so on. So this is not to say that there's something wrong with capitalism in the slightest, but rather the opposite is true. We need to serve capitalism. We need to serve the envir- environment with respect in a way that the whole is doing well. So all the various parts, including ourselves, can thrive. And we've pushed the system over the edge now on the environmental and on the economic level where things are breaking down. And that's showing up in terms of civil unrest and so many other issues. We saw the Black Lives Matter protests all around the world. These are all symptoms of a mistreatment of of the larger ecosystem, both in terms of capitalism, business and the environment. So we're, you know, right now we're going through one of the, you know, certainly a pandemic that everybody's affected around the world. So it's an equalizer. It's a true yep. equalizer of everyone. You know, in the U.S. alone, we're seeing, and the rest of the world, we're seeing this economic downturn, probably the worst that we, we will ever experience in our lifetime. I, I certainly hope it's the last time. And then next, on top of that, in the U.S. especially, uh, this blatant racism that we're now seeing. Now, it's been there for a long time, but we're now seeing it. So there's a lot of... Um, movements out there, a lot of social activity, social movements out there. And let's, ta- let's talk about some of the brands. Who's doing it right? Who's, who's getting behind these things? Who's saying, you know, you have to do it? I, you know, I mentioned in my book, you got to pick a side. And that's what Patagonia did. I mean, they yeah. picked a side. I love that. I love to watch a brand that's doing that. So who's doing it right? And who's doing it wrong? Let's talk a little bit about those. Yeah, there's three issues here. The first is one is a lot A lot of people, business leaders, social entrepreneurs will say, hey, is it our business to step into these issues? You know, should we even have a point of view? Because won't that alienate half of the audience that buy our stuff? And the reality is you can't play both sides of the fence. You can't. You should. You should pick a side. You have to pick a side. I mean, every day in the news, we're fed this diet of all the challenges we face. So what role is your brand playing? So you can't play both sides of the fence. And a lot of research like Edelman's No Brands Land Report and other things out there substantiate that. So it's not just our opinion. So you've got to have a point of view. Then secondly, the issue is, well, which one do I address? Do I address COVID? Do I address climate? Do I address Black Lives Matter? It's too much. I'm just trying to stay alive during COVID. And the reality is this, when you have a singular 
scalable purpose, for example, um, with Airbnb, to create a world where anyone can belong, that can manifest itself across all those issues in terms of climate, helping those after the bushfires in Australia, in terms of COVID, giving a accommodation for Syrian refugees and so on. So that singular purpose can allow you to kind of orientate it towards these different issues. And then to your question about who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong, I think companies are taking different responses depending on the tone they want to strike. So with BLM, Black Lives Matter, with systemic racism and social injustice, you see Ben and Jerry's calling white supremacism what it is and taking it head on and lobbying and advocating. Then in a different way, you might see uh, Harry's, the razor subscription business. They've gone out and provided a platform to provide mental health support for young men because not only young men uh, have a very high incidence of suicide and depression and anxiety, but even more so during COVID. So again, they are looking at the issues and saying what is most relevant and responsible in terms of what our brand can do. And so whether it's, you know, taking on, you know, the administration, if you're Ben and Jerry's, or whether it's just providing mental health support by Harry's, they're equally valid responses. In terms of who's doing it wrong, those who just go out there and through obligation or desire, you know, have a point of view, but they don't do the hard work. They don't do an internal audit of their company and say, are we part of the problem? Like mm-hmm. let's, and there was a lot of people who said, we don't want to hear what you think. Show us your board. Show us how you hire. <laughs> show us yeah. how you compensate right. people. Yeah. Show, show us how you recruit. You know, right? Uh, right. show us how you put people up on stage or interview people and so forth. I mean, there's a lot more. And by the way, for those that are asking those questions, you just can't look at one snippet. You got to look across the whole thing too. Great. Yeah. You know, so I, I had somebody who complained about our, one of our programs and, uh, you know, which we had done months ago, but they didn't see the one before that where I had 90% of the people of color were a part of the program. So you have to have a little, a little mix. Hey, let's take a quick break and we'll come right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. And we are back and we're live casting right here on Facebook and LinkedIn as we bring you all business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. I'm talking to Simon Mainwaring, talking about we first, purpose-driven leadership, purpose-driven companies, the right, the wrong, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's all right there. And we're talking about picking a side. Hey, let's go, remember Goya? Goya got in trouble a month or so ago. They were uh, the, the the CEO was uh, was an immigrant or maybe a sec- second generation. I'm not sure. And uh, but nonetheless, he heads up a, a fairly ethnic uh, food company, sure. and he was very very outspoken of his support for Trump. And all of a sudden, people started boycotting his products. Yep. And I, you know, I don't, he should have a right to say whatever he wants to say and to believe what he wants to as an individual, as a citizen of this country. It shouldn't have anything to do with me buying Gabonzo beans or, or his great products that he has to sell, should it? Well, you know, the reality is this, the, the, the purview, the, the relevance of business now extends beyond business. I would say up to the 80s and 90s. Business kept to itself, it made its money and kept its nose out of everything else, cultural issues, social issues. That was left to government and philanthropy to kind of deal with that. Now, everyone's so aware of the role of business in creating or solving for those problems that everyone's looking to business. So as much as he would like to do what you say, which is to say, hey, this is my personal opinion, but don't like then bleed over into my business, that ship has sailed. And if he, he needs to look at it like a cost-benefit analysis, he's entitled to his own point of view, but he's got various stakeholder hats. He is 
the individual that he is, the father, the brother, the, the son, but he's also the CEO of a large corporation that provides products to, as you say, you know, minority communities and people of color, you know, all around the, the US and, and, and other markets around the world. And if you come out in support of somebody who has demonized and vilified and, and, and you know, really um, punished people simply for the color of their skin, you can't be surprised with that reaction. They're yeah. all connected now. All the hats we wear as individuals are connected. And so, you know, if you're going to be really cynical about it, you say, hey, what's it going to cost me to have that opinion publicly? And to some degree, maybe you get caught up and you're enamored with just the very experience of being at the White House or whatever it is. But ultimately, that's no excuse. Consumers, customers are so well informed now. They're activists by nature. They can self-organize themselves. And he got dealt a very hard lesson. But he also, I think, I think he bounced back pretty well too. So at the same time, I, I, I think you should pick a side. It doesn't mean there's not a consequence. You know, like Kaepernick takes a knee. I'm all in favor of Kaepernick taking a knee or any player doing what they want to. That's their right to freedom. It's a right of expression. I have no problem. That doesn't mean it doesn't come without consequences. I mean, no, no different than the, the founder of Chick-fil-A. I say this all the time. I don't believe in the founder of Chick-fil-A, but I still like his chicken sandwich. So, no, you know, you got to weigh that. You got to weigh that. And he's you do entitled have to, to his opinion. You have, you know. Yeah. And, you know, you've, but if you're entitled to your opinion, you've also got to be able to wear the cost of that opinion. You can't cool. say, I want to have an opinion. And given the reality of the world we live in, I'm going to kind of complain when it shakes out the way it does. Yeah, stand up. Stand up into it. You know, up. Walk with some swagger with it. Don't be a weasel. Let me ask you a question because we're running out of time, but I want to get this one in. So you said the future of profits is purpose. Can you explain what you meant by that? Absolutely. Climate crisis, loss of biodiversity, ocean acidification, social unrest, systemic racism. Each one of these issues is massive in their own right, as you said. But together, this is, they're compounding and it's this seismic shift coming in our experience of life. Think about the way that COVID has transformed. We've lost trillions of dollars. Millions of businesses have closed. Jobs have been lost all around the world. We're all sort of disheartened. That's a visceral experience of what can happen so quickly. Well, what's happening is all of these social crises, these are compounding and they're racing towards us from the future, back towards us, towards the present. And there's this hockey stick of expectation coming our way where if you think that we're on the hook now, what do you think it's going to be like when the world's on fire half the time and the natural ecosystem is breaking down and you know, social media is compounding the dissonance or division around the country and there's, you know, all of these things are going on. Business is going to face exponentially greater scrutiny. And all of that is to say, if you want to be relevant, if you want to have reach, if you want your products to resonate with people, you have got to be very clear and articulate about the role you're playing in the world to make it better. Because our lives are going to be more compromised on a daily basis than even they are right now. And so no one's going to go and vote for a brand with their dollars if they're not very clear about the role that they're going to play. So I actually deeply believe that the most iconic brands of the future will be those with the greatest social impact. Amen, brother. Now you got me fired up. Here we are at the end of the interview. Now I'm all fired up, ready to go. I'm going to grab the flag and start running with it. It's going to be a purpose-driven flag. Right? That's what, There's a yeah. lot of people ahead of you. There's a lot of people ahead of you. You better catch up. 
Oh, I'm fast. I'm fast and I'm big. And I got a big flag. So there we go. Hey, Simon, what a pleasure to have you right here on the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Talking with Simon Mainwaring. We first uh, pick up a copy of it. I know he's working on some new books. And don't forget, check out his podcast. Listen in because this is the kind of stuff you're going to hear every single day. And you need this in your day. You need this kind of excitement. So thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. And, you know, you can check out the podcast and the new book uh, at we, uh, leadwithwe.com, leadwithwe.com. All the information's there, and it's only there to empower you to succeed moving forward because it's challenging times right now, but there are ways through it, and we're sharing all the information about that. So thanks for the chance to share, Jeffrey. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. Of course, I always learn lots from Simon. You know, we shared that stage, as I said, during the podcast many, many times. Uh, he's one of the people when I get together in Los Angeles, I call him up. We get together, have a scotch or two, and we just talk because I enjoy that kind of, uh, ooh, that tension that he and I sometimes create about getting to a point. I'll tell you what I learned today. Big question. Should a business, and particularly your business, have a purpose? Or should it pick a side? I think without question, we said yes. It, it certainly pays. Without you know, without question, it pays. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, businesses that are based on values, based with purpose, you know, they gross more than any other business in the in the industry. They make more, happier employees, more engaged customers. I'm telling you all the way around. It's just good news, and that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Don't forget, tell a friend, and thanks so much for listening. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by. Sweet Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.